The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You know, since I started the Sun Ranto Show, I get asked all sorts of questions about who to bet on and who to bet with. Well, I don't always know who's going to win, but I do know where to go. The answer is my bookie. Between their live in-game betting, endless props, and fantasy sports wagers, there's something for everyone. With the best player perks in the sports book business, they've been good to us, and we know they'll be good to you. They're hooking up our listeners all month. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code RANTO when creating your account to claim your 50% bonus. Laying down 100 bucks, now you've got an uh, extra $50 in play. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G, promo code RANTO. You play, you win, you get paid. Also, won't you please visit sunranto.com slash shopping. You can get all your Cubs gear there. You can also get your StubHub tickets there. And uh, Sunranto gets a little kickback. Plus, if you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon search bar at sunranto.com slash shopping and help this show get paid. If you never want to hear another ad like these, well, why don't you subscribe to us on Patreon? You get the show ad-free and you get it earlier than everybody else. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash sunranto, S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. And for as little as a dollar, you get access to our show early, ad-free, and you get the show notes uh, with chock full of lots of great information. So please do that and support the show, and uh, let's do a show. Covey blue blood flowing through our veins. Sitting in the bleachers in the rain We've shed a million tears and drank as many old-style beers out at the game Let's go, Cubby Sunrento Michael Cotton Sunrento Michael Cotton Sunrento and the lovable Lucy Boutros Golly Sunrento Michael Sunrento Cotton Sunrento and the lovable Lucy Michael Cotton Go White Sox, White Sox, go White Sox. Let's go, 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 White Sox. On today's show, a very special treat for all you Cub fans. We have Sox Machines, very, well, very old friend of the podcast. Um, Josh Nelson is here. Cheer you on to victory. Do you think, uh, Josh? Welcome to the Sun Ranto Show. Do you believe that that song will lead the White Sox to victory in the next two days? Maybe Wednesday. I'm not so sh- I'm not so <laughs> hot on Tuesday. I think Ivan Nova's got a tough task. But Lucas Giolito has been amazing in his last eight starts, and he is in serious conversations 
uh, to get possibly tra- being the American League All-Star starter. Oh, so I we'll you- see. Wednesday will be tough for the Cubs. I but- was I was hoping you were going to say he was he's uh, in. There's rumors that he's going to be traded to the Cubs. Oh, <laughs> for Ian Happ. That's what I thought you were going to say, but be still my heart and. Um, so that, of course, was the go-go White Sox, and uh, we had a little technical malfunction, and Josh was talking about the history of that song, uh, originally from, what, 1959? Yes, for the go-go White Sox, when the White Sox won the American League pennant, uh, and they lost in the World Series to the Dodgers. That song is made or produced by Captain Stubby and the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Captain Stubby. <laughs> and uh, it was revived back in 2005 when the, the White Sox started using it for their promotions. Uh, and thanks to Wikipedia, now I remember this, the Dodgers played at Chicago in 2005. And the White Sox busted out the 1959 uniforms. So the White Sox brought the song back. And after they had done that, uh, Cubs fan favorite A.J. Pruszynski uh, hit a walk-off home run, and it just stuck. And during uh, the White Sox playoff run and ultimately winning the World Series in 2005. So, yes, that is Captain Stubby and the Buccaneers, and that is the Go-Go White Sox song. I'm, I'm looking up Captain Stubby here. His real name is Tom C. Fouts. He was don't, Nick- don't be lying to us. We know his real name from birth was Captain Stubby. <laughs> <laughs> Says it right there on his birth certificate. But he was named that for his stature. Um, I must have been a stubby man. And uh, they specialized in playing novelty instruments like a tuned toilet seat. He called a guitar lit. Ooh. <laughs> I, uh-huh. hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to like picture that in my mind here real quick. Oh, wait. You guys know Captain Stubby and the Buccaneers. They were regulars on the ABC TV program Polka Go Round. Oh! Aren't you familiar? Yeah, <laughs> The runaway hit polka go round. Uh, Don McLean's Breakfast Club from 1968 to 71. You remember that, right? In reruns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I. Every time I think of Breakfast Club, I think of Stubby Buckner and the Buccaneers. <laughs> Whatever his name is. <laughs> Tom Fouts, if you must know. But well, we'll get into some baseball talk eventually on this show because uh, we have Josh Nelson on here. Of course, you just heard the voice of Michael Cotton out there in Colorado. Uh, I'm Danny Rocket. We're uh, we're playing the White Sox. So on comes Josh, Josh Nelson to tell us everything about the team from the South Side. And I listened to the Sox Machine podcast today, and I I heard a great uh, trade proposal that I would actually like to see come to fruition on this show. I think it's a done deal. Uh, Alex Colome for Albert Almora, done. Yeah, we discussed that because I think one of the things I'm watching for from a White Sox perspective, is this an audition for Alex Colome to Thea Epstein and Jed Hoyer? I we know that Craig Kimbrell is coming, well, right? They I don't have a, the, a they don't have a television. They can't watch him on TV. <laughs> they, well, nope. and, I'm sure and seen the him. park is so far away they can't just <laughs> run down there and catch a catch an inning here or there. True. But <laughs> At Wrigley against your own lineup, how would Colome handle it? Because the Cubs have one of the better lineups sure. in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, and if you're watching Colome, I mean, he's facing the Indians and he's facing the Royals and Tigers, and it's hard to gauge because those three offenses 
are really bad. Uh, they're in the bottom 10 of Major League Baseball. So it's really hard to gauge on how effective column A could be in high leverage situations against the teams that the Cubs are going to play in the postseason. And obviously we know that Craig Kimbrell now reporting to Iowa for AAA, he's close. Uh, but if the Cubs really want to enhance their chances of reaching back to the World Series and get past the Los Angeles Dodgers, I could see where making a trade for Alex Colome work, where Colome can handle the eighth inning, and then, of course, Kimball would handle the ninth inning, and that helps bridge the games. Uh, and the Cubs just have to worry about that transition from the starter to Colome, uh, which is usually, what, the sixth or seventh inning of, of most games. So Colome's uh, only signed through the end of this year, right? Uh, no, he does have an option next year. So okay. you can have him for the rest of 2019 and then pick up his option for 2020. Now, he does throw with his right hand. So it Cubs really kind of need a lefty. Um, it's making me nervous that you're so, like, willing to let this thing happen. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. what do you know? You're just like, yeah, sure. Because Colum- you know, Hap, Russell, we'll take him, and you can have the guy. Colome has been great. 230 earned run average, a .695 whip. Nice. And, um, you know, already 14 saves on the year. I mean, what is it? So I guess what I'm asking, Josh, if you could have Colome for another year – when you have a team that's nearly, well, they were 500 as of Friday, then they mm-hmm. lost the next two games. You have a shot at the wild card. I don't know that, you know, I heard you had this discussion about buyers, sellers. If you could have Colome for another year, don't you have, to, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want to not trade somebody like him and have him for a year maybe where maybe the the wild card or even the division is a possibility? That is a great question, Danny. And I think that is the conversation that the White Sox have to have as a front office, because if the front office does believe this team is turning a corner and that they can compete in 2020, you're absolutely right. That is one less roster spot that they have to plug a hole during the off season. And they can have someone effective like Alex Colomay. However, if teams pick up the phone and they start offering legit talent, talent that could help the White Sox as soon as next year, somebody like Albert Amora who can take over center field for the White Sox tomorrow and they don't have to worry about center field for 2020, uh, then you might may want to make that move because the White Sox are 34 and 36, but the run differential is not pretty. And if you look at the projection systems, they're still projected to win 74 games this year, which is clearly not going to make it into the postseason. Uh, So if you look at those projections, you may try to convince yourself, you know what the best move actually is to see what we can get for Alex Colomay. He can be one of the more attractive trade pieces before the July 30th first deadline and if you can get somebody valuable like an Albert Amora I could see the White Sox moving Alex Colome if they don't I don't think it's the end of the world because in the White Sox know they can take care of the ninth inning in 2020 when hopefully this team does turn the corner from rebuilder to contender uh, now the guy I kind of want out of your pen is uh, more of you know middle innings guy um, and he throws with his left hand Aaron Bummer has had a great mm-hmm. year uh, I don't know what his contract situation is, but um, but uh, you know that would fill I think a little bit better of a need 
Cubs and White Sox linked up on the the Quintana deal. Um, obviously, we lost a great two great prospects, uh, Dylan Cease, who's still in the minors, and has he come up yet at all? He has not, and that has been a pain point within White Sox media and the White Sox front office. The front office is being very patient with Dylan Cease uh, before calling him up. Their plan is that when Dylan Cease does get called up, they are not sending him back to AAA. He would be in Chicago for the rest of the season. So I don't know if there's some magic number innings-wise that they're waiting for Cease to hit in AAA before making the call because the White Sox have a very sore need of someone uh, to help out with the starting rotation because of injuries right now. Uh, you have Lucas Giolito and you got Ivan Nova and you got Ronaldo Lopez. Nova and Lopez have been struggling and the next two spots are being filled by journeymen and pitchers that are better suited to be pitching out of the bullpen. So there's a need right now to have Dylan Cease with the White Sox, but the front office has decided to play it slow with Cease, and that's why he still remains in AAA. Yeah, I wonder if you'd have a few more wins. Not that it would, you know, what are you, 10-plus games behind the Twins, four out of the wild card right now or something, three and a half. Aren't the Twins still leading all of baseball? Or I know they were just the other day. They were leading all of baseball in wins, which is kind of a big surprise. Surprising, yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah, when I when I look at the you know I'll, I'll skip down to like the pitching when I see your starting pitchers uh, have a five forty four earned run average on the year, you're like, why not give Dylan Cease a chance? You know, it it, it couldn't be worse. I mean, let him up there. I, I guess I guess it's that thing that they don't want them to come up too soon, face adversity lose maybe some confidence in themselves early. I mean, you'd think that they'd be prepared to be like, hey, I might suck at first, but it's fine. I'll get better. But is that not the case? There are teams that do have that attitude, specifically San Diego and Atlanta, where we have seen those two teams call up their top prospects, especially for pitchers and to throw them into the fire and see on how they handle major league lineups. And if they can stick, they'll stick. If they can't, then it's okay. Send them back to AAA. They know what they need to work on and know what they need to focus. With pitchers these days getting hurt, uh, there's going to be ample opportunities for them to come back into the major leagues. That's been my attitude is that bring up Dylan Cease, if he gets bombed in his first start, that's okay. Send him back to Charlotte or give him maybe a second start. It's not the end of the world, I think, with pitchers to send them to AAA to continue to work on their arsenal and maybe work on their command and their approach to the game uh, before calling them back up to the major leagues. But the White Sox, specifically general manager Rick Hahn, uh, has decided that they really don't want to play that game and that when Dylan Cease is called up, he's called up for good and we will stick with the White Sox uh, through all of his ups and lows on uh, trying to learn on how to get major leaguers out. Uh, so it's a bit different on how the White Sox are handling it compared to other teams, like I mentioned, like the Braves and the Padres. And then the other part of that trade, Eloy, um, super young player, very talented, got 11 home runs on the year so far. It's uh, still striking out about a third of the time, uh, batting 247, 
doesn't walk, uh, but you know, OPS up around 800. I mean, what, what are you seeing from him? I mean, he's DHing a lot, right? Cause of the fielding. He no, he's sticking at left field. I don't think he's DH'd once this season. So the White Sox are, are dealing with the consequences defensively. Uh, Aloy had a really tough month of April and I think he was surprised. And I think a a lot of us watching games were surprised on how opposing teams were pitching to Aloy Jimenez. It was a lot of sliders out of the gate. I, I remember his first series against the Royals. He saw 16 pitches, 14 of them were sliders. The Royals were pitching to Aloy Jimenez like they were facing Miguel Cabrera. And it was quite eye-opening because that's a lot of respect to pay yeah, really to a is. rookie. To not challenge him at all. I mean, he just he's like, what, 22? Yeah. And but he was getting himself out. I mean, it was a smart strategy. He was striking out a lot and he was having a very difficult time with that pitch. And what we have noticed in May and now coming into June, he's starting to lay off those pitches and he's starting to gain some confidence. So his June numbers look a lot better uh, than where his season total is. Uh, And as you mentioned on his peripherals, uh, yeah, you know, with a 301 on base percentage, that's not any good. Uh, but his weighted runs created plus. Before the, this month, it was at 83. And for those that don't know this stat, this is uh, a stat to try to gauge on how many runs a particular player contributes to their team. 100 is average, and it's a percentage base. So if you're at 101, you're 1% above league average. If you're 99, you're 1% below. And average is always 100. Well, in the month of June... Aloy has risen his season weighted runs created plus to 105. He's oh, having wow. a monster month in the month of June. Yeah, sorry, we and, only we only use DRC plus on this show now, so you're gonna have <laughs> you're, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to go. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the, the one thing to to watch with him is that if he lays off the breaking pitches, uh. I think that will set up really good at bats for Aloy, and I would not dare try to hang a curveball like Cole Hamels, try to sneak strike one by hanging a curveball in the strike zone. The New York Yankees paid with that, with Aloy. And he's just got such surprising power. I mean, he put one over the hedges in center field, uh, a guaranteed rate field, and one hop bounced up the stairs uh, to the fan deck in straightaway center did, field. Did it hit the people in the shower? No, uh. it, it almost rolled to the shower, though. Oh, wow. Uh, until a fan grabbed it. No, uh, that is it, a bomb if it hits the shower or if it yeah. could even. <laughs> that's way in the it, that's way far center, like as almost f- as far out of the ballpark as you could be is where the shower is. Yes. So so, so yeah, here's he's, the, he's on a he's on a roll. So here's the thing. All right. So for Danny and then, you know, Josh, you can jump in on this a little bit, too, with your perspective. A lot of Cubs fans are really wringing their hands over the trade of Eloy back, you know, and now they think it's like this big hmm. problem. So Danny. Well, Q is it has never pitched as well as a Cub as he did with the White Sox. And that's okay, just the but way that's. Are been. you wringing your hands like a lot of these people are over kind of no, what happened? No, in the past? because I, I mean, personally, I think that you make that trade when you make it. Eloy is basically Kyle Schwarber with a, maybe a higher ceiling. I don't know. 
Um, you know, especially with the fielding, you know, and Kyle got a lot better at that. Um, Q was the guy we needed right then at that point. I don't think you get as far into the 2017. Uh, I I think you still make maybe the playoffs, but I don't think you make it to like the CS that year, maybe without somebody like Q on your team, even though he wasn't the best. Um, I mean, you just didn't have that. John Lackey was a fading star at that point and, or uh, I should say a, a, uh, a lame horse <laughs> getting yeah. to the glue factory. But um, I don't know. I make that trade again. You know, it's going to hurt for a long time. And I mean, Josh, I'll tell you this much. I mean, I was at spring training and Eloy, I think he, the Cubs were up by like four runs and Eloy hit a grand slam at spring training and it was in the later innings and who knows who was even out there pitching. But I saw Sox fans just kind of turn around with <laughs> pride and look at the Cub fans. It was at the Cubs park. They just kind of, this was last year. They kind of turned around and looked at us all being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what you gave up. That's this is our future right here. And I don't know, is, is that how you guys feel or are you frustrated with him or would you I mean would you make that trade again? Yeah, Probably you would. I, I mean, it's, yeah. It seems like you got a I, deal. I, I think the White Sox would make that trade. Again, especially with the position that they're in, they weren't going to be winning. Right. And with, I think that it, was the best deal possible the White Sox could get for Jose Quintana. Yeah. So y'all just split with the Yankees and that's mm-hmm. pretty good. So, I mean, you must have been happy with that. Of course, uh, you know, you had your ace going in at least one of those games. Um, And uh, you split with D.C. That's who you played this week. And a couple of injuries. Welly is hurt. He's kind of old Mm -hmm. now, isn't he? Yeah, he's 31, 32. That's old. And he's he's not blood doping this year. At least we don't think he is. (laughs) And he's always been fat, kind of. You know what I mean? I I mean, I know he's a... Of athlete and stuff, but he's not, you know, in shape per se. <laughs> you never noticed that? He's like pudgy. Well, I mean, a lot of catchers are, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's why I played catcher because I was fat. Um, uh, X Cub John Jay is hurt. So he's, he's kind of <laughs> out for the year. And I only bring it up because Michael hates him. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't hate him. Everybody thinks I hate him. I just was frustrated that Almora was losing all of his playing time to John Jay, yeah. who was just a dude, you know. So, and he's now he's an injured dude. And uh, Yoan Moncada is also he was hurt the other day. I did didn't he get taken out of the game because of his back or something? Yeah, he's got what they say upper back tightness, but manager Rick Renteria seems confident that he's going to be in the lineup for Tuesday. And, of course, uh, you're missing Carlos Rodon and uh, Michael Kopech with the TJ surgery. And they're expected to be back, what, next year? Yeah, Michael Kopech could be available for all of 2020. Carlos Rodon will be missing at least the first half of next year. Okay. So so you got a couple of big kind of guns coming back into the rotation. So, you know. You add little cease to that mix. I mean, who knows? It it could look really good really quickly. I mean, when I saw you were at five hundred the other day, I was I, I was actually surprised. I did not expect the White Sox to 
to be a 500 team really at any point in this year, to be honest, just because I didn't, I, I felt like when they missed out on Manny, like, well, they missed out on everybody. They missed out on Harper. They missed out on Manny. They just didn't make that big signing to build around. So mm-hmm. they're going to take, it seems like, you know, like you said, the slow road to it. And I have a question for you to kind of turn around for somebody that went through the Cubs rebuild. Do you think the Cubs would be where they are today if they did not sign John Lester? No, unless no, I I don't, I, I, you know, especially for what he gave in the year that really the only year that counts right now in 2016 for what he was able to do. And also I think just the veteran leadership and how he's been a bulldog. The bloom is off the rose with Lester, but it's been all worth it. He'll still give you a professional outing, even though, you know, the velocity is down. He's gotten craftier and everything is icing on the cake from here on in. Yeah, he's still a strong pitcher, uh, you know, not as strong as maybe he was at certain times. But the big thing at that point was for the Cubs to show that they were willing to go out and grab somebody that was going to be a game changer and to kind of let other players know we're willing to. You know, we're willing to bring you here. We, we're actually trying to put something together. Like the, the symbolic nature of the Lester signing was maybe just as important as what he physically brought to the team. Which do you feel, Josh, that a Machado signing, you know, pay all that big money, get it kind of an impact player like him, who I think would have fit in well on this team personality wise. Um, you know, do you feel mm-hmm. like that kind of guy could have been that sort of player that said okay guys we're coming for it i think so because after john lester and the cubs surprise everyone in 2015 then you get zobrist and then you get jason hayward who was the catch of that free agency and i know that it hasn't been the best track record and obviously zobrist is not in the lineup right now as he's dealing with personal issues Um, but the Cubs displayed to the rest of the league that they were willing to spend. They were going to outspend you to get the top talent. And they had all of these amazing prospects now joining the major league team. They were formulating a super team. And I feel like the White Sox missed the boat on that because if you sign Manny Machado, and I hate going back to this for White Sox fans are listening to this and Manny Machado plays third base and Yohan Makata still at second. I think that does give the team a boost, but I think it gives them a bigger boost when other players throughout the league become free agents, like, I don't know, Garrett Cole next year, uh, as far as a starting pitcher. They see that the White Sox, one, are willing to make the investment and the commitment in years and tons of cash to bring in the best talent. Two, they've got a terrific farm system as well. And they got some really young players. They're going to have a, a little bit of a run here of two to three years. I want to get paid and I want to win. That's how free agents are today in baseball. And I think that could help convince some of the better players to come to the South side. Didn't you basically but, sign Yonder Alonso so that Manny Machado yeah, would come and now it, you're stuck with Yonder Alonso? And and that trade was dumb from the beginning. <laughs> Everybody saw what it was for. You, They helped their division rival, the Cleveland Indians, because the Indians are trying to cut payroll. Uh, they're, they're trying to save money. So you help the Indians save 
seventeen million dollars committed to Yonder Alonso for the next two seasons <laughs> off the books. Oh, he's there next year too. Oh, there is a vesting option, but I don't think he's going to reach it because the White Sox have been benching him because he's been hitting so poorly. Yonder Alonso looks like he's toast. The bat is slow. The bat is dead. There's not a lot of pop left. Uh, I think Yonder Alonso is, is toast. Yonder Alonso, if he played every day, Danny would approach Adam Dunn 2011 type of numbers for the entire regular season. His, uh, he would not hit 200. His career has gone over yonder, if you See, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If they actually did pony up the $300 million and get Manny Machado. Or Harper. You know. Or Harper. What, would they have anything left? Or would they be stuck with this, like, albatross of a... Like, yes, the team got better, but because we... We have so much wrapped up into one player. We can't sign There's anybody not else. a ton left to do other things. Like, do you think that could have been a scenario? No, because the Chicago White Sox, and I'm pulling this up right now, uh, as far as their committed payroll salary uh, for the next three years, in 2021, they have less than $20 million committed to payroll. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh man, I wonder if uh the yeah, White 2020, Sox 2020 27.9 million right now, 2021 28 million, 2022 16 million and 2023 22 million. Wow, that's like I, one player for the Cubs. Exactly. That's that's why it adds that, that's to the That's one player for most teams. Like how in the how in the hell can that be an entire roster? <laughs> They got so many rookies and they have so many guys who have yet to hit arbitration. That's right. and I'm reliving February, but that is what adds the frustration. They had the payroll flexibility they to bring on someone like room. Manny Machado. Yeah. And, they, and they, they were not the money. rickets over there, you know, looking in their couch cushions for uh change. Yes. Exactly. They they would not even come close to be worrying about the luxury tax like the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but they didn't. Dis- they decided that the amount of years, the ten-year commitment that San Diego made to Machado was too many. They were only comfortable with eight, and if he proved himself at age thirty-four, then maybe uh, they would opt in for a ninth and tenth year. But they were afraid to go in ten years, and that's why Manny Machado is in San Diego, and he's not on the South Side. That's, uh, I mean, come on, you got it. You got to go and spend the money to get the big gun. I mean, now they put it off a year. You know, I think they probably could have competed and it would have been most like, I mean, here's the thing. They could have, the twins are going crazy, but if they could have competed this year on paper with a couple of more impact players, you know, now maybe Uh they, when they got those pitcher, those big pitcher injuries, you know, maybe that's when they were like, well, let's put it off a year. You know, when Cope, that, when Cope that's a good point. went down. They're like, if, we don't really have the horses out of the gate to pitch. So maybe we just wait. Because there's always somebody that comes up that everybody wants. Well, and yeah. it could be, too, that when, which seems weird, like, oh, we didn't get the 300 million guy. So... So let's get Yonder Alonso. <laughs> so so let's let's That's just exactly hold off. What happened? Yes, but, but but yeah, let's just hold off another year because we didn't get this guy. Like if they had gotten him, maybe they would have been a little more active in the pitching market. Right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But next year, the top free agents though 
all resigned during spring training. Right. Nolan Arenado <laughs> resigned. Xander Bogarts resigned. But nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. But that's that's the that's the whole thing with free agency, though. In Major League Baseball, you can't sit back and wait. You really can't. If there's an opportunity, you got to jump on it. And you can't make plans for next year being like, well, if we don't get this guy, that's okay. We'll go get uh, player X next year. And then you find out the week before the regular season, well, player X has just signed an eight-year contract extension. Well, crap. What are we going to do next offseason? Uh, the the offseason as far as free agency right now, I mean, it's Garrett Cole, the starting pitcher out of the Houston Astros, which Cubs fans know well from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's kind of reinvented himself uh, since he's gone to Houston. Uh, he, he's the top free agent target. Are the White Sox going to commit seven years, 200 plus million dollars to sign Garrett Cole? Probably not. Uh, so who's next on the top free agent list? Marcel Azuna from St. Louis. Right, I mean, well, he's got there, a, there's, a, there's a pretty big drop off as far I as would, talent. I would very much prefer Marcel Azuna on the South side. Than, than in the Cardinals uniform. Yeah, that's fine with me. His, his arm sleeve is blinding. Yes, I will. I will take that all day. Um, so yeah. here's somebody that is going to get a chance and it looks like he's coming up for the cup series. Your number one pick from 2016, Zach mm-hmm. Collins, a catcher. He's coming up for Welly. I assume. Yes. And um, what, tell me about this guy that we're going to see. He's going to debut, which means he'll probably hit for the cycle against <laughs> the Cubs. I don't think he's going to start these two games uh, because Zach Collins does a very good job hitting right-handed pitching. Uh, he is someone no, that don't. they say that has plus power, that he has the ability to hit 20 plus home runs in a season. Uh, he takes his walks. He walks about 30%, not 30%, I'm sorry. He walks 19% of the time. Uh, so he's going to have a very high on base percentage. The problem with Zach is that he's having a very difficult time hitting left handed pitching in AAA. Uh, so far in 2019, he has struck out 47% of the time against left-handed pitching. Wow. So that's why I do not think he's going to be starting in these games yeah, against Hamels, the Cubs. Yeah, Hamels and Lester. <laughs> yeah. But he <laughs> will come off the bench to pinch hit. So if the Cubs go to a right-handed reliever, uh, don't be surprised if Zach Collins comes off the bench for his Major League debut as far as his first at-bats. I'm expecting him to make his first start this upcoming weekend when the White Sox travel to Arlington to face the Texas Rangers. And I heard you saying on the show when you were talking about uh, buying and selling, and just to plug it again, it's Sox Machine if you want to check out uh, a a cool White Sox podcast. Um, I heard you saying on the show, uh, whether you want to be buyers or sellers, that this Ranger series that's coming up, mm-hmm. because you're kind of neck and neck with the Rangers, right? In, in, the, in the wild card? Yeah, the Texas Rangers, if the season were to end today, would have the second wild card in the American The second League. wild card, yeah. So they're surprisingly good. So you want to kind of see how you face uh, uh, up against them if you can take – what what would what would be what would have to happen in this series for you to be a buyer at the trade deadline? If the White Sox win on Wednesday with Lucas Giolito starting and they took two out of three against Texas, I would move from hold where I am currently to buy in that the White Sox should go ahead and find a starting pitcher to help out Lucas Giolito. Uh Boston, though, is starting to warm up. The Red Sox have won five straight games, and they're at 39-34. And, 
And winning percentage-wise, they're right there with the Texas Rangers. Guess who the White Sox play after the Rangers series? <laughs> they go to Fenway, and they go to Boston oh. uh, to face the Red Sox. So, so they have a better idea as well on where they fit in the wild card uh, standings. But if they don't win on Wednesday and they don't win the series in Texas, I'm going to move into sell mode because it could get out of hand real quick for the White Sox. This is their one of the toughest stretches of the season for them where they're facing the Nationals, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Texas Rangers are playing well, the Boston Red Sox, and then they come home to the Minnesota Twins, oh, wow. a team that is on pace to hit 300 home runs this year, and they're currently 47 and 23 and on pace to win 110 games this season. So we'll see on how the rest of this 15-game gauntlet goes for the White Sox. We knew it was going to be a very tough stretch for them uh, in late June. If they fall on their face and the starting pitching is not there to help support the offense, then, yeah, I could see them in sell mode and moving Alex Colomay. But if they could surprise and they can finish around 500, 7 and 8 or 8 and 7 during this stretch, you, you will hear more and more White Sox fans wanting the team to buy because they can add players not only to help them for the rest of this season, but looking ahead to 2020, there are pitchers out there like a Marcus Stroman with the Toronto Blue Jays that's still under contract next year that the White Sox could acquire. He helps them in 2019 win a little bit, but he really helps next season when the team's ready to make the transition. Right. You start to put together your next year team this year. And, right. uh, and and just kind of set it up for the future. Well, when I look at it, you know, I when I compare the, the offenses, like, you know, y'all have the eighth worst OPS. You have the sixth worst home run totals, uh, second worst walk totals. Uh, you, you do strike out a little bit less than the Cubs. You're stealing bases, which is <laughs> kind of the mark of a bad team. Um, these days and, um, yeah, but you're, cause you're also caught stealing a lot. You know, I don't know if you have been clocking that, but mm-hmm. you're, uh, you're, you maybe not smart. Uh, the players aren't necessarily smart when they choose to run all the time. Uh, and the Cubs have scored 61 runs o- overall more than the White Sox have. So, you know, even if you did add pitching, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would, how much you think your offense can turn it around from kind of a bad a bad start. And this is the difference between the American League and the National League. Danny, the American League, the the White Sox still have a lot of games against the Detroit Tigers. They still have a lot of games against the Kansas City Royals. Right. They still have to face Seattle. They still have to face the Angels. There are mediocre to terrible teams that the White Sox could get fat on with wins. Yeah. Yeah. We, We have nobody like that in our division. It's really, you really don't. I mean, even though Cincinnati's seven games below 500, when you look at as far as expected win loss ranking based on uh, runs scored and runs allowed, the Reds should be a 39 and 30 team. There is no team in Major League Baseball that is underachieving more than the, than Reds. the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I think it might be time. I, you know, that that's when you kind of look at the manager and you're like, I don't know if I this, agree. This, yeah. uh, this dude's working. Who is it? Brian Price? Yeah, Brian Price. Yeah. yeah, Brian Price. Yeah, he's gonna he's about to pay the price. Um, <laughs> so uh, pitching wise, you know, I I looked at it. It's your starters, you know, like you said. It's the Cubs have a, a two a ERA two runs better than uh, starting wise. Uh, although the bullpens are almost equal in the low fours ERA wise uh, with the Cubs and Sox. The Sox the Sox actually walk a lot more batters. Third in the majors, Cubs eighth. 
Um, they they give up an average amount of home runs. The Cubs are third best at keeping it in the yard. And uh, Sox, they're not striking out a lot of batters either. They're the fourth worst in strikeouts, whereas the Cubs are average. So it seems like when you look at those numbers that, you know, I don't know, like it might take more than just like a couple of pieces. I think you just need your young guys to kind of come into their own more than anything. And see – that's where you're starting to come on my side, it sounds like, Danny, where you want to hold. You don't really want to move anyone. You just want the team to continue to grow together and go for the rest of the season as is and see where you end up and then try to find maybe improvements during the offseason to prepare for 2020. Because if you do move Alex Colomay, uh, there isn't anyone right now within the current White Sox bullpen or even in the minor league systems uh, that will replace Alex Colomay as someone you can depend on to close out the ninth inning. But right. with bullpens, they are fickle, and they sometimes sure. go year to year. Uh, I think Cubs fans know that probably better than anyone uh, in Major League Baseball. You, you never know. You know, One guy has a great year, and then the next year they get hurt, or they're just not effective. Uh, so that probably goes into the thinking as well and what the White Sox want to do with their best trade piece in Alex Colomay. Yeah, to be fair, uh, damn near every single Cubs fan in the world knew they needed more uh, relief pitching in the offseason. So they, they, they just were <laughs> you're, you're saying sometimes they don't know. We knew. We all knew. We all, everybody <laughs> knew. But I, but I think the point about bullpens being fickle and that like there's very few arms that – aren't just failed starting pitchers out there that are like set up to just go out there. It's, it's the real high velocity dudes, you know, the guys hitting a hundred, there's not a lot of those out there, you know, it, you know, with, you know, the, the, especially if you can throw fast with movement, because even these days you can get a guy throwing a hundred, then if it goes too straight, you know, major league hitters are getting around on him, on him too, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's tough to, to say what to do. And, you know, it's not like you can, I don't think Alex Colome is, you know, uh, a role as Chapman, right? No. Yeah. So it's not like, or Mariano Rivera or Craig Kimbrell, who they did pick up. Um, so defensively, uh, the Sox have been kicking it around a lot this year. They are fourth most uh, errors and the Cubs are ninth. And it won, when it comes to Sunranto Show's favorite stat. Well, the Cubs 697 Durr holds steady the defensive <laughs> efficiency ratio. The Sox are in the bottom third of the league at 685. So tell me about the defense of the team. It's just bad. Well, infield-wise, I think a lot of the errors that you see with Tim Anderson are because he does have great range, and he is getting to a lot more baseballs or at least a lot more grounders than the average shortstop gets. And he gets errors based on throwing, where he's trying to be a hero. Sometimes it works, and it's a web gem, and it's amazing. And then sometimes he just totally misplays a ball. It ricochets off his glove, and the official score gives him an error. Uh, where the White Sox really struggle defensively is in the outfield. Uh, this outfield defense is poor. Uh, <laughs> that might be a nice way of saying it. Uh, I mean, there's got, just not a lot going on you in got, the outfield. You got Lurie Garcia out there. You got Tilson. I never even heard of him. 
Charlie Tilson. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I did. I've heard that name before. I just thought he, he wasn't. I, I I still don't know why I've heard of him though. Just because it's been <laughs> Chicago though. Cordell Ryan. Never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Cordell. Uh, defensively is okay. Charlie Tilson is not okay defensively. He has a weak arm and he's flat footed, so he often gets caught. Uh, looking to the ball and has slow reaction time. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is a is an adventure uh, in left field. Lurie Garcia is the dependable defensive outfielder for the White Sox uh, in center field after the White Sox finally gave up on Adam Engel trying to learn how to hit. Uh, Lurie Garcia is holding his own in, in center field, but yeah, the, the outfield is still a mess. It was the worst outfield in all of major in all of Major League Baseball last year. I wouldn't. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I wouldn't be surprised using wins above replacement of the White Sox outfield was one of the worst again in all of Major League Baseball. They're really hoping that uh, their top prospect and one of the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball, Luis Robert, uh, will be joining the team soon and help help not only offensively but also defensively as well. Um, but the White Sox are going to have a they're going to have a spot open next year. And maybe this is where they could entertain the idea of signing a Marcel Azuna or acquiring a, another corner outfield uh, outfielder to help out in right field as Luis Robert would take over center field. Uh, but in the infield, you will notice an improvement from Yohan Makata at third base. Uh, he looks good at third base, uh, very quick reaction, strong arm, uh, and he's been really impressive at third, and Yomer Sanchez has been playing a lot better defensively at second base. Uh, the White Sox do a pretty good job as far as turning double plays, uh, so if you're a Cubs fan watching these games, you really want the Cubs hitters to put the ball in the air. You always want them to put the ball in the air, but especially in this series because the strength of the White Sox defense, which is not a very strong strength, uh, but they are much better, much, much better in the infield than they are in the outfield. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I can see the Cubs kind of the way they play, kind of taking extra bases and running on some arms, taking a few more running chances if that ball is kicking around out there, <laughs> bouncing around in the corner in the ivy or whatever this weekend, you know. So uh, here's our scavenger hunt, the Sun Ranto Show scavenger hunt for this uh, series. Um, it, you don't even have to go to the game to do this one. Um, all I want you to do is film on your phone or a, whatever camera you have a uh, some sort of scripted puppet show that you make uh, with, uh, <laughs> with a blue sock and a white sock. You know, to get a blue sock from your drawer to a white sock and then have them have a little conversation. And then maybe the blue sock beats up the white sock. And then it's just a funny little like Punch and Judy show with uh, sock puppets that you make yourself. And that's what you got to do to enter to win the Pink Out the Bleachers t-shirt. That is this month's prize. Hashtag Sunranto Scavenger Hunt. And of course, tag me at Sunranto on Twitter or post it on the Ranters, Sunranto Ranters page on Facebook. It's a pretty good one. Are you going to enter that one, Josh? You could win a pink out the bleachers shirt. Do you have a blue? I, have to, I don't think I have a blue sock, dude. Yeah, I was wondering if people were going to have blue socks or not. Most I could people, see Cubs fans having blue socks. I could see I, them. I have having. an actual pair of Cubs socks. Yeah, so there you go. Work. Yeah, I've got a few pairs of blue socks, but I got a strong sock game. I wear good socks well, all the time. I expect you to enter this competition to win the shirt then, Michael Cotton. Okay. 
So the weather, it's supposed to be dry on Tuesday in the mid-60s down to the low or the high 50s. Wednesday, another chance of rain. It's just been cold here. and It's it gets, June, right? It's June. Like it's, it's, it's the hot time in the summer, right? Yeah, June 19th, it should be <laughs> a, a high of 62 um, and uh, down into the mid-50s with rain. So that's the game I'm planning on going to. Uh, so Joe Madden will be wearing a, a full coveralls set, and he'll ride in on a snowmobile. Yeah, he's going to have his Papa Smurf look going on for sure. But um, yeah, it. and here's my advice to people going to this game um, is that I know tickets are still kind of expensive on StubHub uh, for it right now, uh, but I would wait because if it's going to be raining on and off all day, those tickets are going to die price-wise. So wait to buy your tickets if you haven't yet. There's still over 4,000 available, which is a good sign for those people that don't have tickets yet. It's all based on weather and it does not look that pleasant and it's only it's Wednesday too. <laughs> like the isn't the the series on the south side on a weekend? Yeah, it's Saturday and Sunday. Uh very weird schedule-wise. The White Sox have the Friday uh July 5th off. Huh. Yeah, I I, I would imagine the Cubs do too bar, barring rain out unless they're like that doesn't make any sense to me on why you would have the Friday off after Fourth of July, but whatever. It, it, let's say if the game gets rained out on Wednesday, Danny, do we see a crosstown doubleheader where I, the Cubs and White Sox play on the South Side at one o'clock and then they go to Wrigley Field at seven? I would love that. Yeah, or they play on the fifth. You know, or they just play on the. On the the north side on the fifth is that where you or you're thinking that they go like day night? I say make it exciting. Oh, like make it an event in Chicago. Uh, I'd love it, and especially over. Uh, yeah, make make it a true red line double. Yes, yes. Oh, I, get I, the police escorts. Get you know both team buses ready after the game in the south side or north side. Venture to the other stadium and play the nightcap there. Well, you know, the Yankees and Mets did this one time. And they did, and it was awesome. Yeah, I went to both games, too. It was it was good. The Mets kicked the crap out of the Yankees in the first <laughs> game. I, I I forget. Um, what's his name? The catcher. Um, Piazza. Was it him? Yeah, Mike Piazza. Was he? Was he? But I'm trying to think. Was that him that did this? Because I seem to remember he did. He hit like two home runs and knocked in seven or something. Like, he just killed them. Um there was fighting in the stands. I remember that, too, between <laughs> Mets and Yankee fans. So uh, game one of this series is going to be Ivanova, who's 3-5 and five with a 628. So he's really fallen off his uh, Pittsburgh Pirates game <laughs> since you got him. Um, Cole Hamels is going. Uh, he's 6-2 and two with a 298. Um, just a reminder, everybody, outside the Ivy will be on after this game on NBC Sports Chicago and on Facebook Live. So tune on in after, uh, I think, well, it's it's at least DeJesus. I don't know. It's either Kaplan or whoever else is uh, before us. Um, it, it wasn't uh, Kaplan last time. Now, now he's all big time doing golf tournaments and stuff. So we managed to see Ivanova actually last year four times uh, when he was with the Buckos. And uh, he pitched okay. He gave up 11 earned in 23 innings pitched, but five of those were in one game. So 
Uh, and uh, the Cubs actually won one of those games one to nothing because uh, he only gave up one run in two of his starts against the Cubs. He's done well against us, at least last year. And uh, last time he went out there and in the game, they got the W against the Yankees and uh, he gave up four, but the White Sox still managed to win that game. Um, he only went 5.2. What's uh, I do wish that Ian Happ was on this team because he has three homers off Ivanova <laughs> and 18 at-bats. Baez has two, but he's only four for 18. Um, but how the hell does Ivanova handle Chris Bryant so well? Uh, 167 batting average and has struck out five of his 12 at-bats. I don't know. That's that's interesting. And maybe the White Sox have a better chance than I thought on Tuesday. The, the problem with Nova is that he's not really doing a consistent job on establishing the low strike. And his sinking pitches are getting caught up in the zone, and he's getting punished. The numbers that you read off are bad. They should be worse. There's been a... <laughs> A stroke of good luck for Ivan Nova. Hopefully we uh, can help you with that. <laughs> maybe. Uh, he, and that may be where Cubs fans get frustrated. It's either going to be a really good night for Cubs fans on Tuesday, or it's going to be one of the more frustrating losses Cubs fans have to deal with for the entire season. Because I do expect the Cubs hitters to hit Ivan Nova hard. Well, he's but, given up more hits than any pitcher in the major leagues. Right. Or but, at least, I, yeah, no, major leagues. He's got that little, uh, you know, the the bold the faced italic, yeah, the bold faced italic. italic, yeah. That's not what you want in that category. No, but H. when Ivan Nova has helped the White Sox win games, it's a lot of hard contact directly at an outfielder or directly at an infielder. That that's where he's getting really good luck on his side. So that's why I'm saying that the Cubs lineup is going to make a lot of hard contact against Ivan Nova. Well, is it, you know, lucky for him, the Babip gods hate the Cubs. Yeah. So <laughs> that, be, that that may be a perfect storm of hell it could that be. night. Yeah. Well, I see his FIP as a full run lower. So maybe that's maybe there's something there to to that um, luck idea. Um, but not that lucky. <laughs> because a full run. Um, and then uh, Cole Hamels has been great, actually, for the mm-hmm. Cubs. He gave up uh, seven runs to the uh, – well, no, sorry. He ate, but last year he was not great. He gave up seven runs to the White Sox last July when he was with Texas. Pitched only five innings, gave up nine hits, and but he did strike out seven. So I think your chances are a little better than you might think. Um, but his la- Cole's on a roll – Seven innings pitched of shutout ball against Colorado last time and struck out nine. That's not easy to do to shut out Colorado for seven in- innings in, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, last three starts have been excellent, and uh, that comes after a bit of a speed bump. So it's kind of nice to see. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think you have a better chance than you think. And then game two, uh, you do have a great chance. Lucas Giolito, ten and one with a two twenty two. Against John Lester, who's five and five with a four oh eight, and we did actually see Lucas two times last year, but that might have been a different Giolito, who gave up eight runs in twelve point one innings, who walked ten batters last mm-hmm. year in those twelve innings, and only struck out eight. Um, but he hasn't given up more than three runs in a game since May, and has uh, shut out the opposition four times since May. 
um, gave up only one run three times in that span. He's been going seven innings at least on the regulars and uh, striking out. I mean, 95 strikeouts to 26 walks. So he's totally, I mean, he, his, he walked 10 against the Cubs in two games last year. Yes. Now he's got 26 total. (laughs) So he figured something out. Cubs are only batting 163 against them too in 53 plate appearances, which is not a lot, but. So yeah, go ahead, brag. I'm I'm waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Giolito is by far the most improved player in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, Steve Stone in his last broadcast, Stony. Uh, when Giolito made his start against the Yankees on Friday, said in his entire career of baseball, he's never seen a player make such a transformation from one season to the next like Lucas Giolito. And I have to agree with Steve Stone. Lucas Giolito was the worst starting pitcher in all of Major League Baseball last year. When you look at his ERA and you look at his walk rate, he was brutal. And he reconnected with his high school coach, uh, who is now a pitching coordinator for the San Francisco Giants system. And I did not know this until the story came out that Lucas Giolito was high school teammates with Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals Uh and Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves. And he worked out with them over the summer he went back to his high school mechanics in which last year, if you watched Giolito throw, he had this really long arm bar, uh, arm bar, I'm sorry, uh, that really reduced his velocity where he was hitting 91, 92 miles per hour is impacting his command. Now he's really shorn that up in which that he doesn't extend with his pitching arm, that he kind of keeps the elbow in and it looks like he's maybe shot putting the pitch. Uh, but then he, when he comes through his windup, then he gets his full extension. This is a 6'8 pitcher that we're talking about. So he's covering a lot of ground uh, on the mound. And now he goes from 91-92 on the fastball during the 2018 season. And now he's throwing 96-97. Wow. And there are opposing hitters that believe it's even coming in faster than that because he is such a tall pitcher and he's covering so much space. But the best pitch for Lucas Giolito, and you will, you will see it, is his changeup. And that's been the difference for Lucas Giolito, I think, this season, is that he has one of the best change-ups, I think, in all of Major League Baseball. And now he's starting to break out the slider. Uh, so he's now featuring a third pitch more often in his starts. And he always had a good curveball, so maybe the fourth pitch is coming. Uh, but I think Cubs fans, when they watch Lucas Giolito on Wednesday, I, I think they're going to get the impression of this is not the same guy from last year. And White Sox fans will tell you, yeah, he is not the same guy from last year. It has been one of the great transformations uh, that I have remembered ever since watching the Chicago White Sox. And hopefully it continues. And this is the game that White Sox fans have a lot of confidence in, that they believe that the White Sox could steal a game away at Wrigley Field is Wednesday night. Uh, well, I hope it gets rained out and we get to f- <laughs> and, and, and 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 we get to face Manny Benuelos in the makeup is what I'm kind of hoping for. It's what, it's what my money's on with this one. Well, and that would be really annoying for the White Sox because I heard that they kind of shuffled some things around with some of their they off did. days in order to make sure that Giolito was going to get a spot against the Cubs. Yes, they have purposely put. Ivan Nova and Lucas Giolito in these games to face the Cubs. I don't know why 
because what is it to the White Sox? This isn't a league opponent. This isn't a divisional opponent. It's just the team on the other side of town. Uh, but they must hold these games in more weight uh, than some of the what I think are more important series. I, I think it's more important for the White Sox to have Lucas Giolito pitch against the Texas Rangers on Friday than against the Chicago Cubs on yeah, Wednesday. Right. I was just going to say that, and <laughs> and but maybe just maybe it is a ploy for fan engagement in that you know if we can throw if we can like steal two games let's say they come in and they win both games at Wrigley Field you might sell some tickets on the south side which I know is can be an issue with this team Sox fans will show up if uh, well if a a big opposing team is in town Mm -hmm. or if they're good and they do not show if they're not good you know not 500 will not do it you got to be better than 500 for for Sox fans to really start showing up down there right I mean, if we're saying, will the White Sox average more than 25,000 per game? You're right, Danny. They're going to have to be better than 500. But when they've been averaging 15,000, 16,000 a game, uh, the White Sox actually have one of the largest gains in average attendance in 2019 this season. And they did draw 130,000 fans in this four-game series against the New York Yankees. So you are right. If there's a big opponent that comes in for a weekend series, the 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 place gets packed at guaranteed rate field. And I already know that the series, the two games on the South side are already sold out uh, between the White Sox and Cubs. So if yeah. you're interested in going to that game, you're going to have to go to uh, a third party to, to get tickets or, or your buddy. That's a Sox fan. That's a season ticket holder uh, to get tickets there. Yeah. Can, um, you, can you help me yeah. out? I, I, I need four. <laughs> can you help? Me? I need four, Josh. I, gotta, I just I- bought nine. Uh, my friend, my I, I, so I, I'm out. I'm I, sorry. I, I had to pull a lot of favors to get nine tickets for that I, game. I got a guy coming from Australia. I told him I could hook him up, and now I'm uh, I'm totally screwed. Oh no, he's listening to the show right now. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> right. da- Dallas. But he's listening. He's listening tomorrow, Danny. Yeah, or da- yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. I'm not sure how it goes, yeah. but <laughs> e- either way, his toilet flushes backwards. The, the we time know travel thing will, you know, make it so it doesn't make any difference. So yeah, I, there's good. There's got to be a way to to get in there, you know. Uh, I, I'll figure it out. But uh, Lucas Giolito, your ace, is going up against, I guess, who is our ace or was John Lester? Not really pitching like an ace. He's five and five with a four oh eight after being the for a brief moment the NL ERA leader for just a, a sliver. I think it was a day. We had it for one day. Um, last time he was not good. He gave up six runs on nine hits. He only pitched five, gave up three homers, did strike out seven. Uh, that was against the Dodgers. And uh, he did face the Sox twice last year, and the Cubs won twice, gave up four runs in 10.2 innings pitch. So, I, I mean, I like how this game looks on paper. You got your young stud against our kind of old stud. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Cubs play a lot better at Wrigley Field. We're terrible on the road. Um, this, it, I think my worry about this series is that this just simply means more to the White Sox than it does the Cubs. The Cubs, I probably don't even have them, probably don't even know that the White Sox are coming to town. Well, that was the thing with Chris Bryant, right? The Chicago beat reporters for the Cubs after White Sox starting pitcher Dylan Covey talked up about the series and how the White Sox are really looking forward to facing the Cubs and they really want to beat them. 
And then I think it was the Tribune that asked Chris Bryant about the series against the White Sox, and he had no idea that the White Sox were coming to Wrigley Field uh, this week. Uh, so you're, you're right, Danny. The, the Cubs, I think, are not – it's not that they're not taking these games seriously. They take every game seriously because every game is important for the Cubs, especially when it looks like it could be a dogfight with the Milwaukee Brewers uh, in the National League Central this year. Uh, but the White Sox are very hyped up for this series. And when you have a young team and they can get some early success against Cole Hamels and John Lester, uh, does that give them the momentum and the ability to steal one or maybe both games at Wrigley Field? We'll find out. But as you mentioned, uh, Danny, the the Cubs play so well at home. They're one of the toughest teams to beat at home. I I wouldn't be surprised if the White Sox bullpen would fail Lucas Giolito in the second game. The Cubs win both games and the White Sox would go 0-2 at Wrigley Field this year. Uh, But right now, I I am feeling pretty good from the White Sox perspective on Wednesday that we'll see a split here, that the Cubs will win on Tuesday and the White Sox will win on Wednesday. And Cub fans will not be satisfied with that at all. No, they won't. And and I get why, because, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers are are traveling to San Diego uh, to face the Padres, uh, who are right kind of where the White Sox are, two games below five hundred. Uh, after San Diego played that crazy series in Denver oh, God. Uh, this past weekend. They must be exhausted. <laughs> they could they, be. They, they, and, wasn't and there the, like a 95 runs scored? It's like the most ever in a four-game series or something. Yes. Yeah. Like Oh, no. It's like 168 runs or something. 15, 14, 14, 13. No, it was 90-something. You were right the first time, I think. Yeah. It's like 92, 95, something like It's one of those two numbers. Yeah, it was it was a lot because, you know, as we know, the quote unquote ball is juiced. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, I I think I think this is actually a situation where the ball is juiced, but I think the players are probably juiced, too. And I think those two things working together is why we're seeing what we're seeing. These video game numbers. So I thought it'd be fun to, like, end your little segment on here, Josh, uh, with with a. uh with a little, I, I, I'm just going to make up what it's called. Cubs that used to be White Sox or White Sox that used to be Cubs. <laughs> and I want, I want to know, and it's not just uh, players, it's personalities, Chicago sports personalities, but I, I just kind of want your guys' perspective as to, do, were they better as a White Sox thing or a Cubs thing? Like, were they a player or, um, or a, uh, I shouldn't call them things, they're human beings, but <laughs> were they better as a White Sox or a Cub? All right, uh, we'll start with a big gun. Uh, Harry Carey. See, uh, when I was a, okay, in my lifetime, Harry Carey was a Cubs announcer. Right. So I don't ever remember him being announcer on the White Sox. And uh, uh, I was surprised to learn that he was. But Harry Carey will always be known as a Chicago Cub. Yeah. So I give the Cubs that one. Yeah, yeah he, he also announced for the Cardinals back in the day as well but you know so few people remember those yeah. those eras of the harry carry yeah luckily they're, they're mostly dead um steve St- <laughs> steve stone uh, uh now he was with harry carry then he was with the hawk for years so he worked alongside a couple of real legends <laughs> um hawk is now gone steve stone's still there i don't know if he's going to be in the next issue of playgirl let's hope um but i, I I I feel like Steve has changed. Like Steve used to be cool. 
Do you, you don't like think Steve's-, Steve's cool now? I don't know if Steve was actually ever cool, except for what he had, <laughs> for, except for when he pitched for the Orioles that had long hair. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Steve Stone bugs me now. He seems like he's moving towards Hawkland, like getting a little bit, a little too salty. To well, he is old, right? <laughs> and when you get old, Danny, as as you well know. You start to get salty just at the world in general. This, uh, this entire show is like that. Yeah, I think Steve Stone is a push. I think he. I think he's been good with both teams. Uh, I've always liked uh, listening to Stoney call a game, but um, obviously, I don't listen very often now. You Josh, know, especially when he was a Josh, talk, I Josh, just wouldn't even try. You a Stone fa- a Stone fan? I am. I think he and Jason Benetti call a great game. And I can understand the saltiness with Steve Stone because Steve Stone is now on Twitter. So oh, some he of is? His Twitter arguments oh, no. carry over sometimes. He doesn't know how to use it, does he? Yeah. Look, while you're speaking, Danny and I are already on our phones trying to find the Steve Stone Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there he is. He's got a little check. Oh, I'm already following him. I just missed all this stuff. I'm gonna. I gotta put him on alert. You probably got him like yeah. muted or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He, but- he, he kept sliding into my DMs, sending me, uh, <laughs> sending me dick pics. Sending the old pictures of him and uh, Playgirl. Yeah. yeah, but with Stone and Jason Benetti, I think Jason Benetti does a great job of keeping Steve Stone engaged. And Stone has such a great wealth of baseball knowledge, calling games. And I have learned a lot more watching the games from Steve Stone. And it just, again, it's one of those things where it's like, this is a completely different broadcaster that was with Hawk Harrelson. And you do get a vibe of like uncle and nephew as there's a lot of inside jokes that go on during broadcasts. Uh, so if you if creepy. you're not watching every broadcast, you'll miss on some of the jokes between Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. But I think they do a terrific job. Uh, and the the homerisms are definitely turned down quite a bit from uh, from Hawk Harrelson. Um, but no, I, I think Steve Stone does a, a terrific job, and I'd say that that's where the White Sox get credit. Steve Stone was better with the White Sox than the Cubs. All right, I, I'll give that one to you, uh, Ricky Renteria. <laughs> oh that, man, I, that poor guy just just taking the shit end of the stick on both sides <laughs> of town. <laughs> hey, we're hey Ricky, we'd love to have you on board. We're planning on going for it this year. Actually, we're rebuilding, and you're going to give you a bunch of rookies that don't know how to play baseball. Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough one. Was he a better manager with the Cubs or with the White Sox? <laughs> Ooh. You know what? I'm going to say the White Sox. Uh, and I think the, there's a lot of things that bug me about Rick Renteria. The bunting bothers me. The way that he handles his bullpen at times bothers me his lineup construction earlier this season was definitely head scratching and he he gave a lot of rope to veterans more rope than I, I think that some veterans warranted but his players love him and they play really hard for him and I think it's the reason why that there is the saying that Ricky's boys don't quit and, and the White Sox they don't give up and they they do have late rallies in games, even though things could get out of hand. Like Sunday, they were down seven to one, but all of a sudden they had a th- they score three runs to make it seven four, and it's it's suddenly interesting. 
so they do play hard for him. So I'm going to give the White Sox here. I, I think that his players play harder for him since he's been the manager for the White Sox that is one year with the Chicago Cubs. But it's kind of hard to know on his impact with that Cubs roster because uh, there's only one season. Yeah, it was just 2014. They got rid of him. Um, yeah, I did, poor Rick. That's all I have to say. Let, let's run through a few real quick. Um, the Shark, Jeff Samarja, better cover White Sox. <laughs> Easy, Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about, uh, this might be before your time, but I remember being excited as a kid when we got him, though it didn't really come to anything. Uh, George Bell played for both I, teams. He did. He was involved in the trade for Sammy Sosa. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think he was a better Cub, wasn't he, then, with the White Sox? Uh, I enjoyed him. I was excited, uh, you know. So, do you remember George Bell? Michael? No, I don't. Yeah. You're like, I never heard of the guy. <laughs> it's like yeah. late 80s quarter outfielder. Um, Thad Bosley play, played for both teams. Came uh, Started with the White Sox, ended up as a Cub. No idea who that is. <laughs> okay. Kosuke Fukudome, better cover White Sox. <laughs> Cub. <laughs> you, you just don't want to claim him. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say White Sox. Um, okay. We have a couple of, of the – of Jackson's here, uh, Darren and Edwin Jackson played for both teams. I, I like how you put them both together. Uh, are As they well. related, Danny? I, no, they I just assume. have the same last name, and you're just like, yeah, we'll make yeah. it like they're brothers. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> Edwin Jackson, definitely better White Sox, I'd say. Yes. Da- Darren Jackson, I guess he's more known as a White Sox. He does your radio calls now, too. Yeah, he's with Ed Farmer. So I think you get both of those. Um I didn't know this. Uh, Johnny Evers from Tinker's Evers to Chance actually yeah, that, ended up playing. I for mean, the White clearly Sox. that's an easy one. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't yeah. know he played for the White Sox. Um, here's another guy who I did know played for the White Sox, but it's kind of a sad end to his career. Ron Santo. Yeah, like yeah, him. Ron Santo. Uh, I've got his stats up. He played his last year. It was not a great year. Uh, hitting wise, it was basically his worst year. Uh, that he played yeah, five they, home runs that year. The only time besides his rookie year that he hit single digit home runs, uh, 221 average, 293 OBP, 299 slugging. 299 slugging is rough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a surprise he, he left there. But now I waited until you got to Ron Santo because you missed something earlier. Ron Santo actually got traded to the White Sox for Steve Stone. Wow. They were in that trade together. So Steve Stone not only called games for both teams, he played for the Cubs yeah. for three seasons. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I forget. I forgot about him uh, playing. Yeah, and technically he was better for the Cubs than the White Sox, but he was only with the White Sox one year. And then uh, a, c- a couple more. Uh, Dave Martinez uh, fucked Sandberg's wife on both sides of town. If, if, did you ever hear that story, Josh? <laughs> no, I did not. Well, the rumor was when Sandberg retired, it's because his wife was shtup and Dave Martinez. Hmm. And uh, so, but he was, uh, I-, I think he was more known as a cub, I guess, especially after he became a bench coach. Now the manager of the Nationals. I didn't know Brent Lillibridge played for the White Sox before. He oh, was yeah. Terrible for us. Terrible. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Lillibridge had one good series with the White Sox. It was at Yankee Stadium where he made some really great catches. I like how you literally know there was one series. (laughs) It was just one good series. But it sold everyone. Everyone within the White Sox and White Sox fandom where we're trying to believe in Brent Lillibridge and uh, (laughs) well, it's yeah. Oh, so so that was like the the Fukudome home (laughs) run to tie the game in his first game. Like primacy bias sold a lot of Lillibridge jerseys that day. (laughs) (laughs) You still see them. You still see them (laughs) at White Sox game. That's awesome. I want to add. I got to add something to the scavenger hunt then. That if you're going to a game, double entry, if you find a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan in a Brett Lillibridge jersey, <laughs> double entry to win the Pick Out the Bleachers t-shirt. Um, of course, Giovanni Soto played for both teams. Probably a better Cub. Yes. Yeah, rookie rookie of the year with the Cubs. You know, that's that's got to be the capper for that one. Another catcher, uh, Steve Christmas, played for both teams. <laughs> With who we only know because his last name is Christmas. <laughs> yes, exactly. And of course, the big one, and we was mentioned earlier, uh, Sammy Sosa, obviously a better Cub. I have a question: is is there any kind of bitterness about how that went down in the, like you know of fans of a certain age that came up of age, which is probably people in their thirties now, early forties? who really uh-huh. watched that Sammy Sosa Cubs thing unfold. How bad did that hurt for Sox fans? I don't think all that bad, really, because Frank Thomas helped soothe the pain. Sure, sure. And right. Robin Ventura, I, I think it came out of, as a surprise. I mean, Sammy Sosa was a very good player before the 1998 season, uh, and then he just took his game to a whole new level. Well. <laughs> we know how his game got to a different level. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be nice. Here, here, uh, <laughs> oh, you don't have to be nice. Here, here's the big question, though: Will Sammy be invited back to the South Side before the Cubs <laughs> the invite side. him back to Wrigley? <laughs> God, that would be so great if just as a big the, fuck the you the to way Ricketts, that the White Sox uh, really want to stick it to the Cubs all the time. They really should have a fucking Sammy Sosa appreciation Dude. night because I think a bunch of Cubs fans would go down there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to show Ricketts up. And also, like, they should have him throw out the first pitch. Oh, like, on the totally south side. fucking the Cubs. Oh, man. That'd be so good. <laughs> hey, let's get a rumor started that Sammy Sosa's throwing out the first pitch on July 6th. Oh, yes. <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh, uh, triumphant return to Chicago. Oh, God. And if they did do it right before the sh- one of the Chicago games, it would be the best thing ever. Have him come out in his White Sox jersey and all that shit. Oh, that'd be so good. And it, I, I know, even better, have him lose like 40, 50 pounds before coming out there <laughs> so, he, so he looked exactly like he did when he was on the White Sox. You know, have go to a, a head shrinker. Um, so, so our professional body shrinker, they have those, right? So, well, a uh, good luck in the series. Uh, two games on the, on the North side should be fun. Uh, Josh, we still have never caught a game together. We got to do that sometime. If I get down to the South side, when, uh, when you're going to the, one of those games, 
Uh, I will. De- we definitely got to hang out at least. I'll buy you a beer for coming on this show, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. better than I give everybody else who comes on the show, <laughs> including Michael Cotton. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to the Sunday game. Uh, okay, the, the family day, and yeah. I'll be tailgating. So if you do come, hit me up. You can stop by our tailgate, and uh, I'll cook you a broad, and we can have a beer then. I love it. I love it. I will sh- not show up empty-handed. Yeah, because you can hit a tailgate even without tickets. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll, that's me. <laughs> hey, Dallas, thanks for coming all the way from Australia, but we're just going to hang out in the parking lot with this White Sox <laughs> fan guy. <laughs> if that's cool with you. Oh, you brought your girlfriend? Oh, that's too bad. You could probably hook up something in the lot. Don't buy fake tickets from scalpers. Um. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show, Josh. Uh, you know, good luck. Always wonderful to talk to you. You're a very smart baseball mind, I, and it's a great show. I listen to Sox Machine today. If you ever want to know what, what's going on with the White Sox, uh, go on there. And you have a website, too, that's also a blog called The Same Thing, right? Yep, SoxMachine.com. So if you want to read up on what's going on with the Chicago White Sox, we write about everything that concerns about the White Sox at SoxMachine.com. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on as always. And we'll definitely have to do it again before we meet on the South side. Yeah, absolutely guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Great. Thanks for coming on, Josh. We'll talk to you. you. Talk to you soon. Pardon the interruption, but you are not a Patreon subscriber to the show. So you get to hear an advertisement. Um, I'm looking here at mybookie.ag at the sports book. And I see Ivan Nova versus Cole Hamels. Uh, wow. White Sox, not favored in this game. Uh, plus 210, uh, negative 260 for the Cups. Heavily favored in this game. I mean, Hamels versus Nova, you got to give it to Hamels the way he's been pitching. But Ivan Nova has taken care of the Cubs as recently as last year. He can maybe find a little bit of his uh, National League prowess. And, uh, I don't know, turn this game on its head. For the amount of money you could win by taking the White Sox in this game, you know, I'd be tempted to do so. Um, but you can't do that. You, I would say you take the over, which is at 8.5 right now, um, at uh, plus uh, w- negative 120. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take the over. Let's, let's see some runs scored tonight. Comes back at Wrigley. Go to mybookie.ag and make it happen. You get a 50% bonus for signing up with promo code RANTO. And if you don't want to hear an ad like this, well, all you got to do is become a Patreon subscriber. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sunranto. For as little as a dollar, you'll get the show early, completely ad-free with your own RSS feed. Oh, it's a magical thing. So won't you keep this show on the air by subscribing? Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Back to the show. So why don't we talk about the Cubs, Michael, now that uh, Josh is gone. Um, Lyle's still not here. I don't know what happened to him. He's what do he you say? fell in a lake. Yeah. It's, now he's in a shallow grave. <laughs> so, uh, it, well, I mean, what it is, I mean, little little behind the Sun Ranto show. Uh Lyle and I just don't get along anymore. So, you yeah. know, it's it's really hard to convince him to come on when I'm on. And, you know, if I'm not gonna be on, he seems to find that it's very easy. So, you know, 
he, we're we're all living through this uh, this nasty divorce, much like the Zobras. Yeah. So um, it did not go well. Uh, speaking of not going well, Zobrist's uh, marriage and the Cubs road trip were pretty much, uh, I don't know, I'd say Zobrist's uh, situation is worse. Though there's good news, uh, maybe on that front, that he might come back. Did you hear this? I did not hear this. Yeah, they left the window open that, you know, and I could see a situation you know, maybe like a 40-man roster, September. I don't think Zobris will come back and take away, like, let's say, like Carlos Gonzalez's spot or something on the team. Uh, but maybe he should because he might be better than Carlos Gonzalez. So we, we haven't seen too much great stuff out of him yet offensively. But um, he could be back maybe in September. Yeah. Bit of a um, surprise. I, mean, I, I would say, I mean – if I had to just make a choice, I would get rid of David Descalso. Daniel Descalso. Daniel Descalso. Does, I don't even know his fucking name. Yeah, it's not worth knowing his first name. It, he hasn't been worthy of a as a player of having anybody know his name. No, he he's been terrible and you know, Cargo has not been good, but he's I mean, way better than Daniel Descalso. Yeah, but what are you going to do with him? I mean, Dave, David David Descalso also sucks, and I hope the Cubs aren't paying him. But what are you going to do with Daniel Descalso if he came back? I mean, the, you got him for two years. <sighs> Who gives a fuck? It's not my money, Danny. DFA is ass. Fucking pay him not to play. <laughs> yeah, Just go I mean, away. You know, and <sighs> but what about our 2021 team option? <laughs> don't you want to want to pick that up? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll take, maybe you'll take uh, number twenty-seven spot. I wouldn't mind seeing that. That he he's barely playing better than than Descalso is. Yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be nice too. I mean, it, and and there could be some. You know, there could be a trade. You know, in the in the works there. You know, if uh, if they did think he was coming back, you know, it could be the situation where you could move somebody like Russell uh, and get something for him. And in return for, you know, kind of sh- then Javi's just at short. Um, you know, you have Descalso who can play there, you know, in case you need him to, uh, to spell Javi. But for the most part, then you get a second base outfielder back. Um, I don't know what Ben could. I, I think Ben could do a lot more to help the team just by being on the team as a human being. than maybe he could with his bat. But hey. Give the guy a little bit of time off. He ramps back up, comes back with a chip on his shoulder, ready to do a few Mark Gray slump busters. And uh... <laughs> right, he's—I mean—that's the real story that nobody's talking about. Is that he is not away from the team because he's taking time out for the kids and stuff. He is just mashing Memphis ass all over the place. Well, he it's... is hitting every Baptist church. He can, and, uh, you know, Sunday fun day. I think you got the wrong Zobris there. (laughs) Um, But he actually called in to the Sun Ranto Ranters hotline, so let's give a listen to see what uh, is going on with Ben. Bill. Bill. Hey, Bill, why aren't you answering your phone? This is Benzo. You need to pick up some Tide. We're out of that, and i got to do my laundry. If you don't call me back and answer any of my texts, I'm going to move out. 
Alaska found a nice place down in Puerto Rico with the Mercados. They said I could stay there for several weeks, months, years, however long it takes. Bill, please return my calls and texts. You need Tide. I need to do laundry. I'm I'm a little concerned that Ben Zobris is eating Tide Pods. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like a man on a bender. Yeah, he sounds like he needs those Tide Pods, if you know what I mean. But that's an interesting piece of information. Goes down to Puerto Rico, plays, uh, you know, gets ramped up down there in some of their facilities, living with Jose Orlando Mercado. Oh, and he comes back and he's just bat flipping for everything. Oh, yeah. And Zobris, A1 bat flipper. He gets an earring, starts wearing chains. <laughs> well, that you know, first you first you start eating Tide Pods, then you start wearing earrings. That's I believe how that goes. Um, so that would be an interesting development. Um, just something to keep in mind that still could happen. Uh, I hope it does, just because he deserves better than this. He deserves a send off, you know. And I I assume you have to assume that the Cubs had something planned toward the end of the season to do that. And now it's, you know, it's all kind of messed up. They're like talking to him on September 28th. They're like, we made a whole video. We ordered a cake. You got to come out. Take one at bat. Like I could see him like coming out also for like on at bat. Yeah, but they have to re-engineer the sound for that video now because it was just all Juliana Zobra's songs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and, well, that's why we want him to come back so badly. Is just we want to know what his new walk-up song will be. <laughs> he he starts entering to like dirty deeds done dirt cheap, and we're like, what happened? <laughs> <You know? laughs> he he starts entering to Brad Brock's wife's songs. Oh man, I'm I'm thinking old, old George Jones fucking uh, lying, cheating, drinking songs. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's all cheating songs. He's like, he enters to your cheating heart. Your cheating heart. How awkward would that be? Oh my god, it would, it would be a silent Wrigley Field, and it would be glorious. It'd yeah. be amazing. Yeah, I, 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 he enters to. I heard it through the grapevine. Right, and then you just hear like maybe like eight or ten. Yeah. Just little claps, like, I'm not sure if I should clap. Oh, man. That, <laughs> that would be so good. Um, yeah, so I, I do hope he comes back just for that. Um, bad news. Uh, Kyle Hendricks living in Illinois. Oh, shoulder Illinois. Shoulder inflammation, two starts, probably going to miss. Uh, he did not look good in that game against the Dodgers. I mean, not what we had seen from him. So it was kind of i don't know did it make you feel better that maybe there was a just kind of uh shoulder fatigue inflammation that going on that made that happen or are you worried i'm i'm worried like it makes sense like and i know and i know what you're talking about like you see him and you're like oh god did he just did he lose the handle is his are his mechanics screwed up again you know all that stuff but then you hear it's his shoulder and you're like, okay, that's, you know, then it's not something mental that he can work back through this, but nobody knows what's wrong with his shoulder. 
Like they have, they're, they're like, ah, it just kind of hurts. Yeah, it's got a hurt shoulder. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and in this day and age of like, they know that it's his torn left lateral strain of, of the patutalus muscle. <laughs> You're like, what? Didn't right. Know I you know, it, since, since we're talking about Kyle, I did put him. He's our blows okay. for the week. Just put your lips together and blow. Yeah, and and it's not for the the performance, which was not good, but it's because he he fucked up that shoulder and went to Illinois, which really fucking blows. Yeah, they really you know, does. but yeah, I was looking up, looking it up. Uh, you know, he he described it as like discomfort with some pain, but no like sharp pain, nothing shooting. Um, you know, which means nobody knows what it means. And today's their off day, so I'm sure he's at the doctor. They'll probably have a story about it tomorrow um but this is one year and 10 days since he went on since he went to illinois last year with uh tendonitis in his hand and he was out for a month that yeah. time yeah that's kind of what i'm worried about is like because he's been our best pitcher and you know uh, well maybe cole hamels is up there with him uh you know cole hamels is dealing he and i i said it i've been on the cole hamels train all year, Cole Hamels and Rizzo, and I have so far been right in the first half. I've been dead on right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean he's been our best pitcher, and so it's really tough to like you know see kind of who plugs that up. I mean, word is that maybe Alzale comes up and makes the spot start. They don't really need it right now because they've got the off days to get through it. Um, and God, they were already, the announcers were already bitching about, you know, travel and <laughs> this usually Pat Hughes usually starts bitching about the travel and how hard it is sometime in August. It's June. <laughs> they were already bitching about it. And I was well, like, well, there has been a lot because lot, of, lot of some baseball. of the rainouts, but I think the bad part, Only one rainout. Right. But I, right. But then it, it took away their their off day this last off day that they're supposed to have yeah and they so they're in they've been in kind of a long stretch prior to uh the break there in la yeah and they're going to be in another one that's even longer so i don't want to hear about it because well and it's ridiculous when they fucking give them a day off and then four days later they give them another day off well, but that, they'll go like two months in between days off. Now. Right, they're not off again until uh, July fifth. Yeah, before the next time they play the White Sox. So yeah, and so, so it's a little ridiculous. And late in the year, it, we all know there's a lot of uh, a lot of games and not many days off, and it's almost like knowing that that's looming just brings that out of pat. A little earlier. Yeah. Well, they're, they're almost off every Monday in August. So I, I either way, that is that has been a baseball season for the longest time, you know. And so just to hear about it is just annoying, you know, right now. Because, you know, I, I, and they were kind of making excuses for the team on the road trip. Though. Well, it's hard to be out here. And I'm like, listen, you're trying to win the World Series. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, you, you're going to have to win a game somewhere else besides Wrigley. Yeah. The thing that pisses me off, and, you know, this is just general Colorado and L.A. and basically everywhere else they've gone, they do not put together hits no. on the road. 
God, no, they do not. They, they it's they just rely on the long ball, and that's ha- why they get three or four home runs in a game and lose. And that lose, fucking- yeah, because they're almost all solo shots. There's nobody getting on base, and you'd think with a team that walked more that they could like walk in front of the homer, but it's like two runs. I mean, when's the last time we saw a three run homer? It's been a uh, it was Schwarber, and it right. killed the it killed the rally. It was, that was the I think in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So they but, didn't uh, have any against. I the heard Dodgers. on because I was listening to the Bleed Cubby Blue podcast today uh, with Sarah and Andy, and they were talking fifty runners left on base. Fifty during those four games. Yeah, but they didn't really. I mean, that that's left on base. It's not running yeah. runners in scoring position and shit like that. That's like every guy at first counts there, you know. But still, that's a lot of fucking guys on base that aren't moving around because the next guy up is swinging for the fences yeah yeah no it's been frustrating they especially i forget which game it was that they left the most on probably the last game you know that they were one for eight risp runners in scoring position when they lost three to two because they out hit the dodgers nine to seven and they oh. only managed the two runs. So that was – yesterday was uh, – the game four of the series was the most frustrating to me. And Yeah, and I blame the end of that game on the juiced ball. That ball that Javi hit should have landed just over second base. And the juiced ball just kept her in the air for another, you know, 40 feet. And he was able to uh, – who did they have in center field? He, he was able to catch it. Yeah, Verdugo caught that ball. Verdugo, yeah. Um, but yeah, and that sucked. And, and I'm like, ah, fucking juice ball. That Because as soon as he hit it, I thought, oh, that's a base hit. We're going to score at least one. And the ball just never came down. Yeah, well, it giveth and it taketh. You know, Anthony Rizzo hit a couple home runs in this series. Uh, you know, he, he went deep on game in game two. And obviously, we got to talk about the one win in LA, the Rizzo's two run shot in the ninth won it. Uh, but before that, it was not pretty. I mean, the Cubs only had three hits the entire game. Walker Bueller basically has his way with us. Yes. And uh, luckily for the Cubs, Darvish in a triumphant return to Dodger stadium. And like, this was, I think his best outing as a Cub by far one run on two hits, uh, 10 strikeouts, and I totally predicted that on the Ranchers page. Yes, and it was, yeah, such a good call, and he had a good game. He is, and he's the throws, since we're talking about it. Oh, yeah, let's let's go backwards then. Uh, yeah, we're obviously doing that. It, it's just, this comes up, so, yeah. Yeah, tell me about you, Darvish. Yeah, so... For the first time in 23 starts and 119 innings pitched, he is the thrower for the Cubs. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, it's his best game as a Cub. It was against Los Doyers in uh, return to what apparently is not a place full of fond memories for him. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. They beat that. with a, Oh, what a dead. They beat a dead John Lackey all game. Oh. They're like, they're saying you, not boo. And I honestly didn't. I didn't realize it would have been. I mean, granted, there was the game seven that that got him. But like, did he hate every bit of being there? Like, that's what they made it sound like. Like, 
he never got cheered. <laughs> like they, nobody ever said a, a good word about him. People used to go in the parking lot and slash his tires. You know, when he, when he'd walk around downtown LA, you know, and he'd put his hand in people's like palm prints on Hollywood Boulevard, other people would step on his fingers. Like that's how they made it sound like well, it was I, the worst place in the world. I think for they kind of did. I mean, uh, LA's tough. I know TMZ was all after him and, you know, like getting him getting to his car and stuff and then being like, how's it feel to lose the world series? You, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's taken him, uh, you know, three years to get back from that fucking point. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, two, uh, not two years. Yeah. Two years, year and a half. Whatever. Uh, but, you know, let's, you know, give credit where credit's due. He had, a, he did have a great game. We've been waiting for it for a long time. We keep getting, ex- like, we're always hopeful that it's going to happen. So hopeful that people like Lyle Aker get on our fucking ass when we're like, ah, he only gave up two runs. And we're like, it's a good, it was a good outing. And, you know, You're like, but he walked six and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know he didn't mean to walk him. He was just he was pitching <laughs> right. around him. So, it just it was it was strategic. So it's good to see him finally have some success. Uh, you know, but seven innings of one run baseball. He racked up ten Ks, and he only had one walk. And what does he get? No decision. No decision. <laughs> Because yeah, pitcher wins is the most important stat in baseball. Yeah, he re- he re- he was great. It was great to see, and even better that the Cubs, even though he didn't get the win, that the Cubs managed to win that game. I think it was not only just important to get at least one win out of this series. I think we all knew that we were gonna go two and five on this trip. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we well knew. we. Hope, hope for three and four. That sounds a lot better. Yeah, I think most of us were were. I felt like three and four was legitimate. And and honestly, uh, there was a few times on this road trip they did not get blown out, and it was just kind of not coming through with little things. Well, like that yeah, lost the game, like uh, the game on Sunday. You know, getting back to that, it's like. You know, the Cubs have, well, they have second and third with only one out. Caratini's up. He hits that bouncer chopper right back to Kenley Jansen. And then I couldn't believe it. In front of A-Rod, Albert Almora, slow getting to home. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm sure it will not change his narrative. He's like, he did say, I did hear A-Rod say, and uh, did not list, I did not watch this game on TV. I actually painted my kitchen while this game was going on and listened to it on the radio because I just really cannot deal with Sunday Night Broadcast, even though it's chock full of material. But I, I watched the highlight and heard A-Rod say that it was just because he didn't get a good jump. Well, <laughs> nothing to do with the speed. It was the jump that he did, which he did not, by the way. He got a shit jump. No, and and that's the thing. He's not the fastest guy in the world. In the outfield, he gets good jumps, but on the base paths, he's you know he's not Ricky Henderson. Yeah, I don't know, and he probably should have been further down the line uh, after that pitch. He was probably delivered. shouldn't have been fucking running. Like he should have maybe, you know, a it's a chopper. The 
pitcher is going to take it. Maybe I go like two third or uh, one third of the way and just see what's about to happen. Like, what the fuck? That was easy. Yeah, it was. It was a little too easy. Kenley got it real fast. I mean, he, it was a perfect throw. Uh, but uh, an, an imperfect throw was the inning earlier. Bryant playing left field. Uh, I mean, this ball got dumped in to uh, left by um, who hit it? The the catcher, Russell Martin. He he hits the ball, dumps it in. Bryant's basically at the shortstop position while the man <laughs> is rounding third. Throws it up the first baseline, so a shit throw. Um, well, he's used to throwing a Rizzo. Oh, God. He's like, oh, I wish. It was all he could do to get it even near the plate. Yeah, well, he needed to do a little, <laughs> uh, you know, Brerettini. Uh, yeah, he, he was a little, that was a little bit of defensive clutch. Out yeah, there. that was rough. I got excited, made a shit throw. A good throw gets him at the oh, plate. The ball beats him to the plate easily, but the fact it was up the line and on like and, three bounces too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're at the shortstop. You could have just thrown it on a fly, and it would you would have had him. Oh, God, that sucked. Oh, and that's when you're like, ooh, Kyle Schwarber's a, a, a fairly good left fielder. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you I, see the difference. I've got a TFC about that play uh, from uh, second time that Stuart McVicker uh, makes it into the, uh, into the uh, TFC, but I'll, I'll give it now. And uh, Eric on, in Chicago's Cubs best fans said um oh god i feel like just anything called cubs best fans yeah yeah it's is like be rough. in yeah. bfib it is it's in that territory so he's eric's no i'm sorry aaron not eric um a woman says uh i guess chris bryant is the resident whipping boy for fans this year that was not a bad throw did anyone see the slide taylor made to avoid a tag might have something to do with it never give the other team credit <laughs> Always has to be the Cubs' ineptitude. No one could be 100% sure that Schwarber makes the throw. All of a sudden, Schwarber's the greatest left fielder in Cub history. This stuff gets so old. Did anyone blah, blah, blah. It goes on from there. But Stuart McVicker, he just, first comment, terrible throw. You need glasses. (laughs) (laughs) And then he posted like a screenshot of the man rounding third well, Bryant, he's not even two-third base. Like, Bryant's almost tagging him. Yeah, but Bryant, <laughs> Bryant is literally four feet away. Four feet away. For, he could have just ran him down, but instead he decides to make a shit throw, bounces nine times. Um, he says, terrible throw, you need glasses. I mean, Bryant has the ball. The guy is not to third base. Bryant, I, I'm exaggerating what I'm saying. He's played shortstop, but you could see Javier Baez in this picture. Okay, yeah. he he's not far into the outfield. <laughs> okay, so Aaron says to Stuart, "Excuse me, what a joke! I'm an optician, and maybe you need to learn baseball." <laughs> she's an optician. Oh, what are the odds? She's an optician. She knows all about the glasses. Yeah, you know, I was really hoping that she was going to come back with, you know, maybe you should have hit the cutoff, man. No, the cutoff man was standing next to him. (laughs) 
Um, Aaron, uh, so Stuart writes back, anybody who looks at this picture in the correct state of mind will agree that the runner should be thrown out by a mile. And then he says, what are you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we all know that opticians have been smoking weed for years because they all have glaucoma. Yeah. They got a prescription. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think one of the mistakes, too, and there just might not, must not have been anybody else to go out there, but Seashack uh, pitched an inning and a third. Joe tried to get two innings out of him, I think. And he ended up throwing 32 pitches. That was not a bad pitch that got dumped into the, you know, it was just a Babbitt play, but that seems to happen an awful fucking lot. And if you have a decent left fielder out there who can throw, the, the run doesn't score and C-Sheck looks like a fucking pitching god. If you have a, a, a player out there who can throw, the third base coach never waves him through. Never. Like, if it's... It, because... Where that ball got played and where he was on the base pass, like the third base coach, and I don't know, maybe I need to go back and look at the, maybe he was yelling at him to stop. I don't know, but you would not normally run when the guy fielded the ball where he did, unless yeah. they knew that he wasn't going to be able to make yeah, that throw. I cannot see the third base coach in this sh- screenshot, but I can clearly see that that runner should not have been sent and was sent. So, right. Maybe, maybe he ran through the, you know, maybe, maybe he ran through the, the sign. I mean, that kind of stuff happens, yeah. but maybe they're like, this dude's not used to throwing down, throwing this ball like this. Let's just test him. Yeah. And, uh, he did not pass the test. So, um, I would say in this series, anything else that stood out to me that was weird was uh, that intentional balk by Kenley Jansen. I thought the Cubs had a good chance to win this in game two. They lost five to three homers by Rizzo and Bryant. This is the one where Hendricks ended up not doing well and getting hurt. Um, But the Jansen intentional balk, I guess here's here's the quote um, of that from Jansen. It's something Bob Guerin, the Dodgers bench coach, and I have been talking about since spring training, but I keep forgetting to do it. Jansen said um, that I thought it would be a good time to try it. Uh, So he's like, I'm not saying the Cubs are stealing signs or tipping locations, but you always have to be on your toes. Whether you give up a bloop or a base hit, the guy is going to score from second with two outs anyway. So might as well just put him on third with a two-run lead and – Make sure yeah, that with, he doesn't with steal two side. outs. It, that makes total sense if you're concerned about that. Yeah. So it, it, it's it, just novel that like nobody's done it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, th- we've only been playing this game for 150 fucking years, and all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, you can just purposely balk a guy from second to third for no reason. It's like, why haven't we done that before? Well, it seems like it. You know, there's only in a certain situation would it make sense. Um, well, it's it's two outs. Well, you, guy you, on second. You wouldn't want to sit. Yeah, two outs. I think that's going to be the big part. You know. Yeah, that's the key because if it's less than two outs, you don't want to set up the sack fly. Right. 
So, yeah, it, it all makes sense to why he would do it in that specific situation. It's just uh, just interesting that it happened, uh, you know, because I had never seen it before. So that you watch something for 40 years and you see something you never saw before. That's interesting. Well, here's the other. It was Hayward, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe I'm not remembering this properly, but doesn't it feel like Hayward is the guy that people keep accusing of stealing signs? I, like I never, I I feel that. like since he's been with the Cubs, like you know he hasn't been on second base a lot comparatively. But when he's there, it feels like there people get nervous about Hayward. I wonder if there's like some sort of like I don't know talk around. Yeah, you're baseball right. There that is, Hayward can. Yeah, there Hayward is a, does stuff. Yeah, there is an article here that he denied stealing signs in 2016. Yeah, so. I I feel like. I mean, there's a book on everybody, right? And, you know, Kenley Jansen said, it's not that we think they were tipping pitches or doing something, but it was a word. And I've never seen it. I've never noticed it, but maybe he's just really fucking good at it. Yeah. And he was doing it with Dexter Fowler and there was a fight with Madison Bumgarner. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's why I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that, that was in, uh, was that in 20, it was during a spring training game in Arizona in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember this game, the Cubs bet, it was a Sunday night, and the Cubs came back and won it, and there were a lot of runs scored, I forget what the final was, but weird. That's yeah, right. that and was it was weird... such a big deal because it was just like, are you you're really going to get this upset in a fucking spring training game? Yeah, crazy. But it does seem like, you know, Hayward's been connected to this before. And I wonder if there's something like people feel like he's doing something out on second base. And maybe he is. I mean. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, Jansen thinks so. Yeah. So the other frustrating thing was just like we talked about. There was the solo shots, the early leads in games one and two. Uh, Schwarber hit one on the first pitch of the series. And I thought that was going to bode well. It did not. <laughs> the Cubs got well, outscored fifteen to nine in this series. Because everybody fucking else tried to do the same thing. Like they just weren't putting together hits, and it was it sucked. I mean, the one game that they won in Colorado, they put together a shit ton of hits, and then that set up the three run dong by Schwarber. Right. Yeah, they just they're not they're just not doing it I mean, and and against elite pitching is what's really frustrating because that's all you will face down the line and if you do make it to october and you know but doesn't it feel like when they're in wrigley they're they're putting together singles and doubles yeah yeah they know so, I, they know how to hit there somehow and it's been cold like i don't get it it doesn't even make sense because from a weather standpoint she even shouldn't be that way what I just don't understand why you might have. I mean, obviously, there's going to be slightly different game plans, but you know, why would you go from fundamental baseball hits, run the bases, score runs, score one run in an inning if you can, and you then, know, and then just go three true outcomes on the road? I do yeah. not know. <laughs> <laughs> like what the? I don't. I don't understand. And you know, maybe at Coors you do that a little bit, but not at Dodger Stadium. It's yeah. not like you know the hitter's best friend or anything. Well, the other part of it is I think we just got beat by a really good team. So that's the other thing. Yeah. They, 
you know, they are the best team in the National League. And uh, two of it, most of these games were close. There was really only one game one that the Cubs were winning in this game, but uh, after John Lester had that comeback into the foot, I you know I, he blew up right after that. So I don't know. They they just seem to be just beat up right now, and hopefully home sweet home against the White Sox, uh, we can ruin the White Sox fans week. Uh, should we go back to rakes and flakes? Those are the we have not done those, have we? Sure. Yeah, right. we can talk about it a little okay. bit. So pick up this rake at Home Depot. Oh, Brizzo is back this week. Chris Bryant has an 1147 OPS on five hits, including two dongs with four walks and only two strikeouts. And he also got hit by three pitches, which kind of sucks, but it's kind of good, right? Definitely helps that OBP. Um, At what you know, cost? And those, what's that? At what cost? Right, exactly. Uh, you know, and those numbers might be good enough for the rakes on most weeks, but I'm going with my captain, Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, he's he the it. guy this week. The Riz had a slightly lower OPS at 1124, but he also had nine more at-bats than Bryant, in wow. which he had nine hits, one walk, one hit by pitch, and three strikeouts. But most importantly, three dongs, including the game winner off Kenley Jansen, which was just, it's, I mean. It's the best thing that happened all week. Even when he's not doing well and he gets up to the plate like he does good things but then when he's feeling it yeah he he'll 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 carry the whole team on things yeah he's a he's capable in those big moments so unfortunately oh sorry wrong one (laughs) well we might want to blow it all up yeah who's the flaker uh basically most of the rest of the team (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh four major players under a 500 OPS. Uh and the worst is the literal worst. Uh the only thing number 27 seems to be able to hit is the net with his flying bats. Jesus Christ, yeah. He can't not the- four or five times this series he threw his bat. It is I mean and and Cargo did it in uh in Denver. I don't understand how this is a thing like unbalanced hands unbalanced hands oh is this like so we're just lucky that jason hayward when he remember when he didn't even have hands like he (laughs) found his hands in 2018 yeah for the first time in three years like you know we're lucky that he wasn't just launching bats everywhere because he didn't even have hands he has strong stumps (laughs) yeah but yeah, so Russell had three hits, two walks for a 377 OPS. And nobody on the planet seems to know why the Cubs continue to play this guy. Because Daniel Descalso sucks. Well, but okay, so this I and I posted this on Twitter. My two most like mystifying Cubs questions I have right now. Why does number 27 get to play? And what the fuck did Ian Happ do? Yeah, seriously. And I think they just they they think they're smarter about this situation. They must be, uh, you know, just keeping him down there, getting in all the work they think he needs, the seasoning before they bring him back up. But like, honestly, you know, when it when it comes to like, they just fucked up here. They literally fucked this up. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if Ian Happ does any better than anybody else, but it, but at least like he's a switch hitter. You know, maybe he comes up and is even worse than these guys. I don't know. He can play but, second base. 
who it seems like everybody can on this team <laughs> right it's all second baseman <laughs> it seems like the whole team is second baseman right yeah yeah i don't know it's frustrating it, it, it's it's just weird i don't get it um no and then i do have a little special this week uh i've got a flaky raker um i don't i don't really know what to say about Kyle Schwarber uh he hit 3 dongs this week but he also struck out 9 times and had no walks None. Wow, that's frustrating. He has a 697 OPS this week, which not terrible, not bad. But uh, only mm. because he has a 519 slugging percentage. Because he was like 180 fucking 187 or something uh, batting average. You know, but that 519 comes from those three dongs. He drove in six this week, which ties him with Rizzo. But that's it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him because he is he is l- the literal poster child for uh for the three true outcomes. He's got 75 strikeouts this year. And that's second only to Javi Baez, who I think we can all agree is way better than Kyle Schwarber at this point. Yeah. So I, I guess we should do State of the Bull Penis a uh, little bit just because that's what we do now. It's now time for the State of the Bull Penis. Oh. Yeah. With, uh, I guess I guess we can both do it. I, I mean, I'll say who I think was the shittiest reliever, and you could say who you think was the best reliever. <laughs> Did we have one? Yes. We had, we had one, only one guy that got a shout-out, but it, I mean, okay. <laughs> Who? Who's who's your good one? It was uh Kyle Ryan. Oh Kyle Ryan, yeah. He had a he had a one whip, which you know isn't great. But uh if I'm looking at this right, yeah, he pitched three scoreless innings over the last four games. Like yeah. he pitched Colorado and then uh three games in LA. So he's gotten some work. He's had and he's not come in in real easy situations and he's done well. That being said, not comfortable with him out there. Like, I don't think. No, no. I yeah. mean, it, there's not a single reliever that had a clean inning. There just isn't one. And the, the guy who had the worst one, uh, you know, right now is I, I don't trust any of these guys. I, I would say Brad Brock, you know, he's just maybe. Man, he's talking about a rough week. Did did Brock pitch after that horrendous outing in Colorado? In Colorado. I'm trying to look now. I don't know that. Yeah, he did. He he, oh, he actually okay. went point two innings in uh, in in the win. No, no, in the five to three loss on Friday. Oh, okay. The intention, yeah. So the intentional balk game. Yeah. So here's the thing that is killing this. Uh, you know this bullpen uh we have tyler chatwood three walks brandon kinsler two walks uh tim collins one walk c shack one walk montgomery three walks no he he had three walks and two strikeouts and nothing else happened yeah like yeah and then uh, Pedro Strope with two walks. Yeah, nobody, nobody's been lights out. There's been, there's been uh, drama in every single game. Kyle Ryan is the only, and that's why he got the mention. It's because he's the only reliever that didn't have 
a walk. Yeah, he just gave but, up three hits. <laughs> yeah, right, so, so gave up three hits. But, uh, you know, Cole Hamels in seven innings had one walk. Hugh Darvish in seven innings had one walk. So, you know, these guys are, are you know, they are not looking good. Speak. No control out there. Yeah. No, it's it's really been – it was a tough fucking week. Let's just, you know, that's just it, – it's just been fucking tough. Yeah, it was it was hard. They were on the road. It's going out west sucks. You're playing in, you know the, you know the weird altitude, at you know at Coors Field, and then for some unknown reason, you went three true outcomes for the whole LA series. I don't get it. Yeah, it's just it's it was just frustrating. We should we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, and then on top of that, fucking Kyle Hendricks is out. You can, you know. Okay, what did I just hear? Did I smell? Did I? Did I? Oh, am I? I don't want to. This podcast has one of three true outcomes, and one of those outcomes is the appearance of Cubstradamus with a poem to tell you what happens next with my soothsaying prediction. Oh. Hi, hi, Cubstradamus. I can't wait to hear this. Okay, here it goes. That trip was as bad as it gets, but the Cubbies are up to the test. After two with the Sox, their bats will get hot, playing a four-game set with the... Atlanta Hawks! Wait, basketball no. season's over. No, you gotta rhyme at, at um Jets! Winnipeg Jets. Oh, the Jets. Oh, God, that's I always a, get that wrong. It sucks. It's hot. It's Hawks. Oh, New York oh. New York Jets. So close. So Hawk close. Hawk Harrelson. No. Hawkeyes. Tets. Mats, you idiots. Oh, the Mats. I thought they were in the AL now. I forgot. You know, uh, you know I took a... With me. Hey, Cubstradamus, um, I took a little shot at one of these rhymes that you do here. Talking about, uh, you know, Chris Bryant and his ability to offend uh, other teams. Giant. Defiant Bryant. <laughs> Giant Bryant. Yes, that's good. Can I, can I read it to you? you maybe give me a little, uh, a little constructive criticism. See if I did a good job. Okay. All right. KB has a personality that is dry. At best, you might call it rye. Cubstradamus has no class and always smells like ass. When Chris talks, other teams cry. That's such a beautiful poem. Oh, you like that? I, I loved it. <laughs> I gotta go. Cubstradamus. Wow, he, he melted in his own tears. It was that was weird, and I, I'm not positive if he, if he's just happy that anybody mentioned him, or if he is actually upset because I said he smelled like ass. I I'm think, not. I think. I, have no idea. I think your poem moved him. I'll, I'll be honest. That was a beautiful poem, Michael. <laughs> So a couple of quick announcements. Uh, John Baker Day is coming up on August 3rd. And um, uh, just a couple of questions. If you know of like a, 
variety act or a band that you think uh, like that's full of Cub fans that should come and play the event at G-Man Tavern as the concert portion of the event, let me know. Email me at sunranto at gmail.com or have that act. And I'm, I'm thinking like magicians and, you know, I don't know, burlesque acts and I don't know, just fun stuff. Uh, Do you remember the Mummin shots or nope. Mummin shots or whatever? No the idea. The guys that, that did what? the, it was shadow puppetry on the Muppet show. Oh, you think I should get them? Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you, you do shadow puppetry or puppetry of the penis uh, looking, <laughs> we'll have you out there uh, at John Baker Day. Just let me know. Also, um, raffle and auction donations will now be accepted uh, as well. Uh, Corey and I are going to do a little podcast, which we'll talk more about this. But the idea is if you've got like old bobbleheads or, you know, things of some value, you know, not just like some ratty old sweatshirt that you're looking to get rid of, but something good that you'd like to donate to John Baker Day. 100% of the proceeds are going to be going to the uh, Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network. So that's 100% of the proceeds. Like we take nothing to do all this. So um, if you have something of value that we can auction off or um, use in our raffles, uh, that'd be awesome. Some ideas or autographs or bobbleheads or, you know, some giveaways at Wrigley. Good stuff. And I also want to say that um, uh, Mixtape Rewind is going to be at Second City for two more weeks on Thursdays. Uh, so get your tickets to that. I think it's only 12 bucks to come How, see it. How's that been going? Great. Had yeah. good full houses. Been a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have a little party and uh, after the uh, last show as well. So if you can come to that one, I, I don't know. Maybe you can't come to the party. I don't know. I'm not paying. I'm <laughs> you not just paying realized halfway through that no, you're like, oh, I God damn it. I'm well, inviting people to a party. No, that- I can't really do that. But I can say <laughs> that there is a, a certain Cubs pitcher named Kerry Wood who bought a ticket to that show. Nice. So if you come to it, please do not wear a Kerry Wood jersey and act like an asshole. Um, <clears throat> also... Congratulations to Will Baker and his wife, Caroline. Uh, Dante Baker is a new person on earth. Thanks to them. So um, John Baker actually just became an uncle. I don't know. I don't think it's his first time being an uncle, but it's his little brother. Just had a baby with Caroline. I'm really happy for him. He will is a trombone player and uh, he played on a few of my tracks. Uh, He played on um, the night the backup catcher got the win and uh, or the Ballad of John Baker, and he also played on uh, John Lackey's song. I didn't come here for a haircut. Yeah. So. Yeah, and very nice guy. Super nice. And uh, speaking of nice people, uh, today is my seven-year anniversary of reconnecting with a woman that I had reconnected with, that I had connected with over twenty years ago, Nicole. Who honestly, like, without her love and support, like this whole like weird Cubs life I'm living doesn't happen <laughs> or i do it alone and and probably die is really <laughs> right. what happens so, yes so thanks it's been a wonderful seven years she doesn't listen to this show but you know i just want to recognize uh my wonderful relationship i'm very happy yeah, as as we all should yeah my ex-wife told me she's getting married again yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are, in, in, do you, do you, what do you send a toaster well, the, the with, fun th- with instructions on how to put it in the tub with you. Well, the, well, the, no. The fun thing is, I didn't really care. I mean, and that was a good feeling, you know. Like I just, I was like, eh. 
And it, in fact, I felt bad for her. I'm like, like, oh, why are you getting married? That, yeah. Don't you remember how our marriage went? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, TFC, I already gave my one, but uh, I've got another one. And um, this has to do with uh, poor Brian Onora. Uh, did, did you know who what happened in the the game with the Mets and the Cardinals? The, yeah, uh, Brian Onora yeah. is an umpire. Brian Onora had a third ball. So yeah, for a moment there, yeah, and it was I felt so <laughs> bad for him because he got hit in the nuts on a uh, Matt Carpenter foul ball. And so I looked up a little bit about Brian Onora, and you know I couldn't find like no everybody had too much class to just show him get hit in the balls and then throwing up a couple batters later with Dexter Fowler like he had to he ran off the field like with it you know throwing up in his hand it was I've never seen this and but then I looked up uh I just because I was looking for it on YouTube I'm like somebody must have posted this look for it on Twitter I found so many other uh, videos of Brian Onora getting fucking <laughs> nailed with baseballs. I was like, this poor man, and baseball bats. Yeah, and then it's, yeah, and then I go to his Wikipedia, and the pic is his head covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is going on with Brian Onora? The players must hate him. And then I found this video. This is this is a uh, Brian Onora special. This is him uh, calling a Yankees-Red Sox game while he's mic'd up in an ESPN game. So he gets nailed in this one. you got to give it a listen. That's it hitting Brian. That's ball four. And he still still calls ball four. He's walking around. Still getting it done through the paint. Let's hear that again. That's ball four. So Brian fucking Honora taking a baiting. Oh, hold on. Can we maybe do uh, an addendum to the scavenger hunt? Anybody that posts an audio file of their rendition of Brian Honora making that ball four call, <laughs> I'd love oh, to hear it. Ball four. Oh, fuck. Ball four. <laughs> that ball hit him right in the fucking upper chest, <laughs> like just in the thorax. <laughs> right in the voice box oh we should not be laughing but it's funny yeah well i just can't believe i'm fucking brian onora takes a beating so badly i gotta yeah, hear that let's hear this again <laughs> it just sounds like somebody's faking it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's the real deal yeah, mic them all up. I want to hear more shit like that. That's entertainment. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I have a TFC. This came off of uh, there were some some pictures of the Cubs kind of pregame at Dodger Stadium. You know, there's you know, it was on Twitter. It was posted at Cubs and you know Madden talking to some kids and you know just some pictures of the guys warming up. And uh, this dude, Mike D, writes. Some would like to hang out with Anthony on the field. I would love to spend a day setting up practical jokes on the guys with him. We would wet ourselves laughing. Riz would get a pass. 
they would lock me in a locker and bury me under home plate. Ha ha. It would be worth it. <laughs> wow. Sounds like somebody's got some weird sexual fantasy about the Cubs. And at no point did anybody broach this subject at any time during that thing. And nobody mentioned it either. Yeah, I'd stay it away was just from this that one dude randomly posting that under those pictures. Yeah. I don't know what the hell was that's going on. Some strange, that's some strange strangeosity <laughs> right there. Right. I it, it made it made me laugh though because, you know, then of course I immediately thought of Jimmy Hoffa being buried in uh uh the Meadowlands. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, there's your show. Uh you can follow us on Twitter. We never say that at Sunranto. <laughs> you can follow me there. You and, should let us know what you think is funny about the show. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. If there's something that you actually enjoyed about it, let us know. We always like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And hey, if there's things that you don't like, fuck off. Even better. <laughs> let everybody else know and leave us a damn iTunes review. How about that? Oh, oh my God. And I, is there, there's no more iTunes though. Or a, a Apple podcast, whatever. Leave Apple us an podcast Apple podcast review or something. Yeah. 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 But thanks to all our Patreon supporters. You guys rock. That's why we do this show for you. Um, Rock on and spagog. Spagog! Oh! Ball four. My name is John Lackey, and I pitch for the Cubbies. And I didn't come here for a haircut. I came for jewelry. And every night. Come.
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. 
But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.